0: You are now listening to the Girl on Book Action podcast.
1: Now with more speaking
0: and less reading. This month we're reviewing Songs of Love and Death, edited by George R. R. Martin and Gardner Dozois.
1: Your reviewers are Irene, also known as Doomwench, and Amanda, also known as Wren.
0: It isn't quite February yet, but welcome to our Valentine's Day spooktacular.
1: Yeah, consider this podcast a primer for the lamest of days. Valentine's Day, which for us here, at Girl on Book Action, means reading stories about love and death.
0: We thought we'd do something themy for Valentine's Day, and Songs of Love and Death was on a message that we could manage without sickening ourselves. Once
1: again, the title pretty much says it all. This is a collection themed around tragic lovers, and we hope that even we could handle the love stories if there was enough death mixed in.
0: It's hardly news to our listeners and readers that I'm not really a fan of the romance genre, being as I'm cold and basically unlovable. Sure, there are exceptions. I enjoyed the Cushiel series, which Irene will be talking more about later, um, and that has strong ties to romantic fiction. But overall, it's one of my least favorite genres, I was a little worried about my ability to enjoy a collection with so many romance writers, but I was won over because I'm a huge fan of Martin's and due to the number of excellent authors that contributed. Oh, and the fact that I thought we were being real clever dicks about doing something around uh, Valentine's Day. Unfortunately, while there were a few stories that were strong, Hurt Me in particular, which, again, Irene will be discussing more later, uh, there were a number of serious duds.
1: This anthology caught my attention when it was first released in hardcover because it has a new Jacqueline Carey story about Anafiel Delaunay, one of the characters in the first Kushiel trilogy. And then I was hooked, because I'm a sucker for tragic love stories, even though I have little love for Romeo and Juliet. No, I'm more of a Liebestod fan, which is a fancy German word for a love that is consummated through or after death, think Tristan and he's old. Or or, I would argue, Penthesilea and Achilles in Heinrich von Kleist's Penthesilea. Or, okay, fine, Romeo and Juliet, for those of you not familiar with German lit. Anyway, to make a long, rambly point a little bit shorter, I was looking forward to tragic tales of painful love. Let me spoil it for you now. I was disappointed. I guess I thought that since George Martin's Ice and Fire books are full of death, hard choices, loss, that a book he edited about love and death would be equally emotional and devastating. Instead the stories were full of happy endings, and almost no one died. Sometimes there was the threat someone might die, but that wasn't very convincing after reading all these sugary fairy tales. In 600 plus pages of stories, there really are only a few that I enjoyed. Before I get to the two that I want to highlight for being exquisitely tragic and thus beautiful, I want to start with the worst of the worst for me. If you recall, I read the first Harry Dresden book. I'll link to my review in the blog post for this episode, and it left me with mixed feelings. So, the fact that Jim Butcher's story Love Hurts is my least favorite story in the entire book might not surprise you. Now, my problem here wasn't the style of, or the content but more so the fact that if you haven't read the Dresden series, you were completely lost. Yeah, you know, clearly there was a bunch of history between the characters, but I didn't know any of it, since I had only read the first novel. Therefore, the events of the story didn't feel important, or emotionally engaging, or painful, or relevant. We also never met the villain before, if we haven't read the you know, whole series, so the villain didn't seem as scary either. Basically it didn't work on its own. None of the other stories had this problem. I would argue that this is probably the weakest piece in the collection and was really not a good way to start things off.
0: <clears throat> and since we're starting off negative, you can tell we didn't like an anthology if we get the claws out right away. I thought The Marrying Maid by Joe Beverly was the worst of the lot. The story sh- uh, the story follows a prim but sexy woman of the 1700s who finds herself strangely da- drawn to a rich, handsome man. Yes, it sure is strange that she would find such an appealing man attractive. Gasp. He has a special fairy destiny which forces him to have sex with a specific woman by a specific time or he and his entire family will be killed by Oberon, King of the Fairies. Yeah... While this might not have scientifically been the worst story in the collection, it did to gather together a bunch of tropes that drive me crazy in the romance genre and in romance subplots in general. Our hero is perfectly willing to rape—oh, I'm sorry, ravish—our only sort of unwilling heroine until a last minute change of heart. You know, I have trouble accepting a hero who comes up with an elaborate stalking and roofie plan. I'm also extremely sick of the waffling heroine who finds herself strangely compelled. The prose was eye-rollingly florid and cribbed more heavily from Jane Austen than Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Ranting and railing aside, with uh, great difficulty <clears throat> romance, this book was not all-stereotyped claptrap. I really enjoyed Carrie Vaughn's Rooftops, which is set in a world where superheroes exist and explored a woman's obsession with a vigilante who saves her. Vaughn flirted with a few cliches and used them to set up my expectations and then take startling plot turns. Like Hurt Me, Rooftops looks at some of the negative sides of love and desire. While it didn't have the everyone dials while it didn't have the everyone dies miserable and alone outcome, I was sort of hoping for with more of the stories in this collection, we don't end on a happy note either. The entire story is complicated and ambiguous in a way that contrasts nicely with the colorful backdrop. Also, since I harped on about the terrible language use in marrying made, I thought I might mention how much I loved the prose in Rooftops, which was lyrical, but not flowery.
1: Now that I got that off my chest, let me tell you about one of the good stories. Hurt Me by M.L. In Hanover actually engaged my emotions. A lot of the pieces in this collection left me feeling underwhelmed, but this one was subtle and painful, the way a story about love and death should be. I don't want to give too much away, but it's a story about a haunting. A young woman with a past of abusive relationships moves into a house with an angry ghost. It's a story about her overcoming her fears, about confronting her terrible memories and taking control of her life. It's also about vengeance, which always helps. The nuances come in through her her relationship with the ghost, her relationship with her new nice boyfriend, and how she navigates her desires. Part of her isn't really happy with the gentle boyfriend, so the ghost in the house helps to balance her out. Hurt Me is the kind of story that kept me thinking about all the implications of the events. I'm sorry if I'm being vague, but if I tell you too many details, it'll ruin it for you, and I do recommend tracking this one down. It was a bright spot in the mostly mediocre collection. And to turn it right back around... Man in the Mirror by Yasmine Galenorn felt like a pale reflection of Hurt Me. There was also an abusive relationship and a young woman moving to a haunted house to escape from her past. I think on its own, Man in the Mirror might have been successful. There's still elements of it that I wouldn't have liked, but it might have seemed fresher. In the collection with Hurt Me, it felt repetitive. The end felt like a complete cop-out, and I won't tell you what happens so it doesn't ruin it for you, but it was a cop-out. Um, also, as far as women conquering their scary relationship past goes, this story didn't really do a lot of that. Here Laurel, the protagonist, doesn't so much try to deal with her emotional scars, as run away from the place where bad things happened to her, and she runs away to her dead husband's farm. And then she gets into some sort of strange relationship with the ghost that appears in her mirrors. Yeah. I really just didn't like it. Everything hurt me did right. This story did wrong.
0: I feel a bit silly saying that I enjoyed a Neil Gaiman story, because of course I did. Saying that it was one of my favorites seems kind of like a cop-out, like saying Caitlin R. Kiernan's story was one of my favorites, but I really enjoyed the thing about Cassandra. It was another bitter, complex story about the difference in what we think we want in love and what we actually want. The charm of it is wrapped up pretty tightly with the plot, and I'm afraid I can't save too much without giving. I'm afraid I can't say too much without giving away the game. However, be assured that this is another strong showing from Gaiman, which actually brings me nicely to another favorite author of mine who didn't have such a strong showing. Robin Hobb is usually good for tragic romances that begins, middles, and maybe not ends so badly. She does do the happy ending thing a bit. But she's also good at the long-form love stories that somehow don't lose my interest. Usually I'm done with people not getting together almost immediately, but not so much with her. While I don't think anything that she writes could be entirely without charm, Blue Boots was disappointing. It's about a girl in a blah-blah-blah medieval fantasy setting, blah-blah-blah, who's seduced by a minstrel and then regrets it. It's an extremely mope-heavy story with a sugary sweet ending. It's an excellent example of too much love and not enough death. Let me
1: conclude with one more story that managed to combine love and death into something emotionally powerful. I was pleased that the Jacqueline Carey story that first drew me to this collection lived up to my expectations. If you're familiar with the Cushio books, you know that they're sort of alt-history fantasy books with strong romance elements, and I think this tale will fill in some of the questions you might have had about Anafiel and Roland. And if you haven't read the Cushio books, you won't feel lost. Unlike the Jim Butcher story, You and You Alone stands on its own, and might just get you to pick up the novels. It shows Carrie at her best. The language is beautiful, the content's sensual and intriguing. There's lots of love and equal amounts of death. I think that this one piece really embodies the concept of Liebestod in a way that none of the other stories in the collection even approached. It traces the relationship between Anaphiel and the King of Terdange, both the good times and the bad, and, as all of the books in this setting, it's full of tragedy. Now, some people might feel that it takes away the mystery around Inafio, which was a dominant theme in Cushio's Dart. But to me, it felt it, like a nice compliment to the novel if you, you know, were interested in what happened in the past. And now, for an
0: erudite discussion. So, uh, I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, that uh, we didn't really care for this collection overall. Big
1: disappointment, and they had so much potential and so many good authors in it that, you know, what we ended up with was really just
0: disappointing. And I mean, I can't even blame it on the fact that it was uh, a lot of romance writers because it wasn't just the romance writers whose stories I didn't like. Like, I was prepared for that because I have, like, a chip on my shoulder against romance.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, just looking at the in this, I mean, the Tanith Lee story, she's usually so good at doing these tragic love stories and her story did nothing for me.
0: Me neither. It was really complicated, which I, I normally, like she normally does these really uh, complex intertwined stories of different timelines and stuff that makes sense. But this just sort of felt like a jumbled mess. Yeah. It, it, it really didn't do anything. Love also. Was,
1: like it was yeah. pretty, I guess, if you you know were just reading it for scenery.
0: And lyrically it was it was nice, but as a story it didn't really work and that was that was odd. Also, um like Peter Beagle is one of my favorite fantasy writers and his story just felt sort of slapsticky and hacky.
1: Yeah, I didn't care for that one either.
0: Um it just, it's like
1: the story about a computer that communicates with an alien race and it sort of takes over the protagonist's life and I think it had really great potential for something, but again, there wasn't any
0: death. It was sort of—it felt like it was trying to be kind of funny, I guess. But this wasn't really a good collection for humor.
1: It really wasn't, and again, there was no death.
0: No, there was very little death in this, and a lot of happy endings. Like almost all of these, even the ones that we, um, the ones that we liked, it was mostly happy endings.
1: I mean, that's fine if your collection is not called, you know, Songs of Love and Death.
0: It didn't really live up to what it was, I think, trying to be. Because, um, I mean, really, the only one that had the, uh, the the truly tragic ending was the Jacqueline Carey story, the uh, Anaphil and Roland.
1: Yeah, that was the only story that really had, you know, a good set of star-crossed lovers where all the things that you expect from Starcross Lovers, you get them. They're there.
0: Yeah. Most of these stories were just about lovers.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Hurt Me was really, really good, but I, I'm not sure I would say it was about star Lovers.
0: No, it was good and and dark and complicated and strange and disturbing, but it wasn't really about Star-Cross Lovers at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, it had love and it had death but not in that star-crossed-lovers combination.
0: But this story, even though it did fit in the collection, uh, we did have differing feelings about. Uh, it was set in the Kushiel series, which is a series that we, that we both quite enjoy, uh, and you sort of mentioned a bit about it earlier. Uh, I thought that the real charm of the story, this tragic love story, was that we never really got to see what happened. We just heard people talking about it later, and it was heavily referenced, but we were never actually there. And I thought giving it the immediacy uh, of actually seeing what it was kind of cheapened it.
1: See, I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like this was a really good addition for people who were curious about it and wanted to see it close up. And since, you know, it's, it's not part of the novel, you can ignore it. You don't have to read the story if you don't want to know what happened.
0: I just felt it was um a bit too obvious, a bit too on the nose. I mean it was skillfully written and it was, I think, easy for someone who didn't hasn't read the Cool Shill series to follow, which uh is is important, but uh like it was good good on its own feet, but I just I just didn't care for it.
1: Well, you're wrong.
0: Well you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> But
1: let's let's get back to something we do agree on. You know, it it did do the standing on its own thing right. You could read this without ever reading the Cushio books, and you wouldn't be lost.
0: No, you could still enjoy it on its own. Whereas Hurt Me, I felt very... I mean, we're sorry. Whereas um, uh, Love Hurts by Jim Butcher, I was really lost because I did not know anything about these characters at all. Yeah, like
1: I had a vague idea of who they are because I read the first book, but other than that, like their relationship why all this is important like the villains which apparently we've met before but since we haven't read the series we have it was just it was a really bad start to the anthology and i put the book down as like if they're all like this i'm i i can't even finish this collection because it was
0: so bad it took me a long time to get through that story um And that really sort of tripped me up. And then the fact that we went straight into The Marrying Maid, which I really, really hated, um, didn't help. Like, it took me a long time to get through the the first two stories.
1: See, I just pushed through them because I kept saying, it's going to get better. It has to get better. If it doesn't get better, you know, there's something really wrong here.
0: And the thing is, it did get better, um, but then all of the good stories were sort of in a clump, because um, we had Rooftops Hurt Me, uh, The Wayfarer, and things about Cassandra, and After the Blood I thought was good, too. And then all the rest of them weren't very good, so you had a... Colli- like The order of short stories and anthologies, I mean, I guess you don't really spend a lot of time thinking about it, but if they're put in... An uncomplimentary order it really makes the whole book feel bad
1: exactly it, it's really like a fine art putting them in the right order so the stories complement
0: complement each other and i mean if you wanted to show the differences between two stories about uh, abused women getting over their past you would think you'd want to put them close together um and, instead of sort of having them on other ends of the book so that it feels like, shh, I hope you don't remember that we already did a story like this.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There was a lot of unfortunate, unfortunate choices in this collection, and I just don't know why this happened with, you know, George Martin, who is really good about writing stories that are so emotionally charged and then you have this collection which is all sap
0: and he knows how to put together a good short story collection because he has um short story collections of his own where he decided the order and they 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 move really naturally where this was really clumsy um and i guess they wanted to begin and end the book with two big name writers so you had jim butcher and diana Gabaldon. but again uh, it just it was clumsy the the ordering was really clumsy which actually brings me to a bit about Diana Gabaldon. Uh, I don't really care for her work. I'm not a huge historical um, a historical romance fan in general. And I've, I tried a couple of her books and I didn't really care for them. But uh, I, I can hardly say that I'm above liking Trash. Because I read a lot of Laurel K. Hamilton. Which is basically the same thing except with Monsters. But um, I don't care for her. But my Amazon list seems to think that I love her, because I guess I like similar things. And now that i bought this book on Amazon, every second recommendation is Diana Gabaldon. And I'm just like, don't tell me that!
1: Well, I, I have one positive thing to say about her story, and there was love and death.
0: That's true, there was. There was both of those things.
1: But it was another one of those cases where it was almost too tied into the series that you haven't read, so there was a little bit of feeling lost because you're not familiar with the mythology that's going on, so.
0: And I, this is a bit silly as well, but I kind of thought that the main character's name being Jerry, when you also called, um, you know, the Germans in the war, because this was set in World War II, when you called them Jerry as well, I thought that was kind of confusing.
1: See, I didn't even notice that. I was just waiting for love and death. I was like, come on, love and death, love
0: and death. There's not a lot of love and death in the, uh, in the collection. There also, um, actually wasn't a ton of world building. Um, mostly we were set in, um, a real sort of standard generic fantasy medieval type setting that could be anywhere but never actually existed. So that was, that was a bit strange and disappointing.
1: It was either that or the, um. The generic urban fantasy setting. Like, there's yeah. the medieval setting and the urban fantasy setting and not a whole lot in between.
0: And I um, thought that, like, I didn't really care for the resolution in Wayfarer's Advice, but it had some really, it was, it was a sci-fi piece, which was kind of neat. It was neat seeing sci-fi pieces in this collection, because you'd think, Romance and you think pretty much fantasy settings. Um, and I thought it was cool that there was sci-fi stuff in here. And I really liked the world in Wayfarer's Advice. But uh, I didn't really like any of the characters. I didn't really care what happened to them. But it was cool to see the the, the world.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that it was nice to have a broad spectrum. So that we had the urban fantasy and the sort of fantasy fantasy and the sort of romance fantasy. And then sci-fi.
0: Yeah, and some horror too. Like Hurt Me was a pretty horror... Um, Pretty horror story.
1: But still, all of these things where we say, well, this was kind of good still doesn't amount to a good collection because the majority of the stories were really crappy.
0: And the, um, like we can pick out good things about it because there's a lot of good writers in this, but the the stories, not, uh, not a lot of great stories. And a lot of things that I just don't like about romance and um, that I don't like about love stories. Uh, happened in a lot of these ones where people do some things that I find pretty inexcusable, but you're supposed to love them anyway. Like, oh, he's a bastard, but I love him. There's a lot of that in this.
1: Yep, there is. And a lot of this whole destiny means that you forgive everything.
0: I hate that. I hate destiny as an excuse to put up with garbage.
1: Well, that was a big problem with the marrying maid, right? Is that it was destiny, so, you know... It didn't matter that there was no choice involved because destiny just glosses over all the you know.
0: Yeah, I don't uh I don't care for that. And there's a little bit of that in um what was that one? I think it was it was either the demon lover or the demon dancer, one of the demon y ones, um, where you had an opportunity to have a really good uh May December relationship and look at the difficulties in being interested in someone quite a bit older than you and quite a bit younger than you, but destiny saved them and they ended up both at the same age and hooray.
1: Yeah, I kind of, I don't remember, the it's very unfortunate to put two stories that start with demon into the same anthology because there's demon dancer and demon lover and I can't keep the two apart. So, you know, they're sort of the same story to me, but, um, Yeah, it was really sort of a super lame ending. It's like, oh, magic happened, and now the old lady isn't old anymore, and they can be together. Yeah,
0: okay. They could be together if one of them was old and one of them is young. It would just be unusual and lead to its own difficulties, but that's what would have made it a good story. And there's a bit of that in the Tanith Lee one, too, because you had some body switching where the, um, the main characters go into old bodies when the other person is young. And it was just just like, nope, it's impossible. Let's move on. Yeah. And that was something that a lot of the stories in the in this collection shied away from, was looking at the complicated, sort of dirtier aspects of love and desire. Um, and something that I, I really liked about Rooftops and Hurt Me was that they really delved into that, because not everything about love is all sweetness and light. There's a lot of there too yeah there's a lot of
1: horror in love and passion and lust it's just we don't like to think about that
0: but I expected more of that in this collection because if two people can't be together there must be a reason for it and um, age difference is a good one um, and just something that it would have been it's a shame that it didn't uh, didn't go into that more I
1: agree. But it just brings us back to the fact that while this is supposed to be about star-crossed lovers and love and death it really was more about finding happy endings for stories that shouldn't have happy endings
0: yeah just this was this might as (laughs) this might as well have been called happily ever after all new stories of love
1: Pretty much, yeah. That would have been a more appropriate title, and then you would have just taken out the two or three stories that actually managed to have love and death in them, and you would have had a
0: great collection. Yeah, and and it would have gotten in the people who would be interested in that sort of thing, and you and I wouldn't have read it.
1: Exactly. We would have stayed far, far away. <laughs> our,
0: our next uh, The next collection we do is going to be firmly back in monster territory, where <laughs> we're comfortable.
1: Yes, it is. Monsters, there will be monsters,
0: <laughs> that's what we know. No more love,
1: yes, no more love,
0: the greatest monster of all <laughs> see
1: and see there we go again it, love is monstrous, and that never came in here.
0: no, well, um, the from, me. Like, hurt me, but yeah, hurt me had some some like love is desire and sexual responses are beyond your control, and, that, and, and that, was, that was good. But yeah, no, love itself being monstrous didn't really enter into any of this. It
1: was very disappointing. Well, now that we've talked your ear off about how much we didn't like this collection, I have a surprise for you. <gasps> I dusted off the show email, and lo and behold, someone sent us a letter.
0: Nobody sends us letters.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, but now you're a liar because someone sent us a letter.
0: Oh, this is weird. What do we do? What do we do? Read it, read it.
1: Okay, I'll read it to you, and then we can formulate an answer. Here is the letter. Enjoying the show, but tell me, do you do requests? I would be interested in listening to your thoughts on the latest Discworld novel, Snuff. I'll probably have finished it myself by the time you'd get around to it. Muchos Rigardos English Gavino.
0: Oh, English Gav, English Gav. The Gavs do um, a podcast called Drunken Time Travel, uh, which is about Doctor Who. They're going through everything way back from the beginning and uh, reviewing all of them. Uh, And their blog is drunkentimetravel.blogspot.com, just to get the plug out of the way. Um, It's actually one of my favorite podcasts. I listen to it religiously, and it makes my mornings of doing my hair way more interesting. They're super funny guys. Uh, But I guess we should, like, answer his question.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe we should answer his question. Also, I would like to say thank you for writing us mail. I was yeah. so excited.
0: It was it was weird. Thanks, Gav. Um, so we actually, I guess we could do requests. Uh, the only thing is, we usually um, are a couple uh, months ahead because we do the reading in advance so we can do the show. So <laughs> we can do a request, but it won't happen until spring. Um, and uh, we actually are a bit embarrassed because of all of the collections or of all of the um, books we've done where we do like an author or a, or a theme or whatever. We haven't done anything written by guys.
1: Yeah, it's sort of a bit of a blind spot for us. I mean, even when, we're, when I was reviewing on the blog, I sort of had to try really hard to pick books written by men.
0: And in the anthologies, uh, we read lots of short stories written by guys and um, that are edited by guys, but uh, not so much in the in the novels. And when we were talking about one, like we were talking about this and we thought, hey, maybe we could do a bit of um, a bit of male power for a week. We did talk about doing Terry Pratchett uh, because he's super funny and one of my favorite writers. But we kind of ran into a stumbling block because it's uh, the Discworld series is so long, we're kind of worried about uh, picking that up in the middle for people who haven't uh, read any of it.
1: Also, I haven't read any of it, so I would have to start somewhere
0: near the beginning. So um, we've talked about maybe doing um, Nation or one of his other standalone books, because uh, he is so awesome, and I think, Irene, you'd really like Nation, uh, which is about dealing with... Uh, death and loss oh that's and, right up my alley <laughs> yeah so um yeah send us your requests and we will uh consider them and think of reasons not to do not to do them but we do intend to do something with harry pratchett in the future because like i'm a, i'm a huge fan and i would like to get irene into him
1: and i would like to be gotten
0: into him read men
1: Of good omens. That that
0: might be an okay start. Good omens would be a good start, and you have Neil Gaiman to sort of like uh, get you in there. Which I um, was looking at the the. I usually have at least one guy who uh, as one of my best or worst ones, and I felt uh, I'm not sure that Neil Gaiman really counts.
1: I'm not sure either.
0: See, I like <laughs> I
1: like the thing about Cassandra, but I didn't want to pick Neil Gaiman as one of my
0: favorites. Cause it's like, yeah, so. Yeah, it's kind of like,
1: well, that's the really obvious choice right there.
0: I just went for the obvious choice.
1: Well, better you than me. And anyway, I always go with, for the obvious choice with Caitlin or Kiernan.
0: So. Yeah, I don't let you pick her anymore.
1: Well, I'll pick her anyway.
0: <laughs> I'll read the uh, I'll read the uh, the review you have got written, and it'll be about someone else. And then we'll get on the mic, and was like, Oh ah, no, I'm doing Caitlin or Kiernan. Exactly. <laughs>
1: just gonna you know do it off the cuff. Freestyle it. This is what I thought about Caitlin R. Kiernan's
0: story. Yo, yo, yo.
1: Yo, yo, yo. What's up?
0: <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> now that
1: we've gotten completely off topic from answering this mail, um,
0: yeah. But yes, uh, feel free to write in. And yes. we will read it on air.
1: We will, and then we'll get totally off topic based on your mail. Okay. Now, I think we've stolen about enough of your reading time for one month.
0: We'll talk to you again the last week of February, where we'll be discussing Northinger Abbey and Wuthering Heights. Once again, not reading anything written by a man.
1: If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at girlonbookaction at gmail.com, or you can post comments on our blog, girlonbookaction.blogspot.com.